Welcome to the Faithful with a Little podcast. I'm your host, Lori Bradley. I'm a wife, mama, blogger, wedding coordinator, and securities licensed financial educator who is passionate about encouraging you in your journey with Jesus Christ. Let's be honest, we desire more because we weren't created to be stagnant. What if I told you the secret to more was to first be faithful with a little? Yes, God has purpose for the in-between season of where you are and where you want to be. In this podcast, I'll bring you raw, honest conversation about what it takes to faithfully walk out whatever life throws at you. From simple finance concepts that will help you get ahead to hearing from a variety of guests on how they tackle their in-between seasons. Being faithful with a little won't be easy, but it sure will be worth it. Welcome to episode number five, helping you win in your finances. Now, I thought this would be fun to do this specific episode for episode number five, because I'm actually going to give you five problems and solutions that are going to help you win in your finances. So I don't know where you're at, but I guarantee at least one of these things is going to apply to exactly where you're at. Now, not only that, but last week, Justin and I briefly shared our personal finance journey. So again, I kind of thought this would be a good segue into this episode, even though it's obviously going to be a little different than most of my episodes, because I am going to talk more about finances and you're going to hear my passion for finances in a way that you don't normally hear. So to give you a teaser for next week before we dive in today... I'll actually have another guest on the show, and we are going to talk about the fruit of obedience. Now, she's a missionary overseas, but along with hearing her story or just how she's wrestled with God to get where she is today, we're also going to push into what it looks like for you to live on mission exactly where you are right now. I have had a lot of people ask me, how do I know if I'm where God wants me? So we're going to address that next week. Make sure you tune on on tune in on Wednesday and you'll hear all about it. For today, I thought I'd start by asking this question. What are some stigmas about money that you may believe? Now, maybe you think this way, maybe you don't, but have you ever heard someone say, people with a lot of money only care about themselves? I honestly used to think this. I probably wouldn't have been the one to have said it, nor would I have outright thought it, but deep down, I believe that to be true. But what if I challenge you to think about it this way? Good people with a lot of money use their money for good versus bad people with a lot of money use their money for bad. It's really not about the money if you think about it that way, but about the person who stewards it. So what about this one? I don't need a lot of money to be happy or to make a difference in the world. Now again, I used to think this one. I probably even said this one a time or two. And though it's not completely untrue, obviously money does not make you happy in and of itself, right? Um, And you can make memories and make a difference in the world and all of those things without money. But what if I challenge you to think about the memories you could make on an all-expense paid vacation to your dream location with your closest friends and family? Now, wouldn't you agree that costs money? In order to have that kind of memory, in order to go on that type of vacation, you would have to have an X amount of money. Now, what if you could give back to your favorite charitable cause organization so much so that you actually allowed them to exceed their fundraiser goal and meet every need that they had for the entire year? Now, 
That's the kind of impact I'm talking about. And unless we start thinking about money in a different way, we're not going to be open-minded to actually getting our finances in order. And so again, I'm not saying that money is the answer to everything. I just think in order to give finances and our money and our personal budget, the, how do I say, the time that it deserves, you've got to understand that money is actually not the root of all evil. So I grew up believing these stigmas. Now, again, AKA, I was told that money is the root of all evil, but I've grown to realize that it's not necessarily true. And again, yes, loving money over the most important things in life not only can, but will lead to evil, no doubt. But money and having money in and of itself is not bad. It can even lead to really good things. So now how can what I'm sharing in this episode help you not only be faithful with whatever amount you have, but also help you take steps towards that amount you'd like to have? Maybe you want to be the one to be able to take your family on a vacation. Maybe you want to be able to give back more. Well, I will say this. If you're not giving back now, you probably never will when you have more. So that's obviously the premise of this entire show is being faithful with a little so you can be entrusted with more and continue to do good with the more. Now, let me start by saying that I know firsthand, no matter how much you have or don't have, when your finances are in order, your household has a much better chance of being in order as well. And sometimes we have to realize that, again, money is not in and of itself bad And once we realize that, we can give our finances the time and attention they need to be stewarded well. So stay with me here. I know it can be really hard to be faithful in your finances, but I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be easy. Maybe it's hard because you're prone to believing what's in your bank account or what's not in your bank account is yours when really it's all the Lord's. Maybe you lust after what you don't have and decide that you'll do whatever it takes to keep up with the Joneses, and in turn, you find yourself in a ton of debt. Maybe you're carrying the burden of other people's poor financial decisions that somehow ended up in your lap. Maybe you know you should simply budget, but you don't find it that simple. Therefore, you don't do what you know you need to do with your finances. Maybe you're just where I was a few years back. You're doing okay financially, not realizing that there are still things you could learn that would help you be able to do more than just be okay and get by. Now, wherever you find yourself, keep listening because no matter why you are where you are, I've got some insightful tips and tricks to help you get ahead. And even though it won't necessarily be easy, isn't anything worth fighting for worth having? Here's the deal. Too many people have never been taught basic financial concepts that could help them get ahead because they didn't learn them in school, their parents didn't know enough to pass down, nor do most of the bigger financial companies and creditors want you to be educated with the things that I'm about to share. These companies are way too busy taking advantage of what you don't know, and frankly, I've met with way too many clients who have been or are being taken advantage of to not keep fighting for those who actually want to win in their finances. And so that's why I'm sharing all of this with you today. I hardly ever use the word hate, but I'm serious about hating how many people get taken advantage of with these things, which again is why I have actually given everything to go full-time in my finance business. 
I've learned that most people don't typically plan to fail, but they fail to plan. So with that being said, let's dive into the five problems and solutions that simply applied can help you win in your finances. So problem number one, nearly 60% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. Not only that, nearly eight in 10 workers report living paycheck to paycheck. Now, maybe that's you. I don't know where you're at, but what is the solution for this? Well, what I would suggest is having three accounts. And so really what that looks like is wherever you bank, I don't know where that is, but I would suggest opening up, obviously you've got your checking account, hopefully, and then two savings accounts. One of those savings accounts, I want it to be labeled emergency savings. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It is for emergencies. So when you put money into this account, the goal would be if you are a single person, non-homeowner, I would say obviously start with $1,000, but you want to get that account to $5,000. And so whether that's, you know, you get a few checks where you can put some lump sum back and make that happen. Great. Most people have to start with a little bit a month. Um, And so my goal for you is 5,000 a month. Someone who is married and not a homeowner, um, I think five to 10,000 is okay. Um, Again, my goal for you would probably be 10,000, but start where you can. Now, if you are married, homeowner, kids, really you need that emergency savings account to be at $15,000. And I know that can sound a little overwhelming to a lot of people, but really you got to pick an amount that you can put back, whether it's $100 a month or whatever, and then just chart out how long that's going to take you so you know your end goal and just start saving. Um, I do an automatic withdrawal from our account um, the day that I know we would get a paycheck or whatever it might be. Um, And that's how we got to our goal in our emergency savings account is just out of sight, out of mind. Now, I said three accounts, right? So I've talked about the checking. I've talked about the emergency savings. The third account that I would suggest having is a short-term savings account. And so this is going to be for that bedroom, living room, furniture that you've had your eye on that you're tempted to go take that credit card out for. That's what this would be for. Uh, Maybe it's a vacation. I don't know what you're saving for, but the short-term savings would be for those things that you might not be able to afford right now, but something that is in the tangible future. So three accounts. I think if you are functioning in those three accounts, um, that would solve a lot of this problem. So problem number two 45% of Americans say that they have less than $25,000 in a savings and investment put away for retirement. So y'all, I don't know if you've thought about this, especially if you're in this boat, but you cannot retire on $25,000. You can't even retire on $100,000. And for a lot of people, that sounds like a lot of money. But when you think about it, that's not going to get you where you want to go. Now, back in the day, I say back in the day, but before my time, pensions were a huge deal and people were retiring on pensions, but they don't really offer those much today. Um, I've seen them here and there, but they're not as common. So you cannot rely on a pension. And then a lot of people would rely on Social Security. But if you are a millennial or younger, you cannot rely on Social Security because the chances that it's going to be there are slim to none. If it is great bonus, but we cannot rely on that. And so we want to make sure that you have what you need for retirement. Now, 
I know a lot of you guys probably have heard of a 401k. You might even have one of those with your employer. If you're a teacher, you've got TRS, et cetera. I know there's a lot of different savings accounts out there, but my solution for this would be correctly saving for retirement with a supplemental account. And so what does that look like? Basically, if you have a 401k that your employer is matching a certain percentage on, I always say free money, put that match in, do not miss that opportunity. But beyond that, I see people putting extra into their 401k when really they should be putting into something like a Roth IRA, so individual retirement account. The benefits of a Roth are outstanding. Um, And so I can't rave enough on how much I love Roth IRAs. And so you might have heard that terminology. Most people I sit down with don't know the benefits of, even though they've heard that they're good. And so to give you a really brief synopsis, if you're thinking about opening up a Roth IRA, some of the benefits are obviously after-tax dollars. And so you're putting in money that's already been taxed. And so you're not going to get taxed on that money again. But the best part about it is all of the gains in that account. So all of the interest that you are accruing, 100% of that account is tax-free at retirement. So in a 401k, look at that and then take about 20 to 40% off of that amount, depending on your tax bracket. Not all that money is yours. A lot of it is Uncle Sam's. But in a Roth IRA, you really do get 100% of what's in your account at retirement. So awesome, awesome, awesome in that regard. Now, because Roth IRAs are so coveted, the government actually has some stipulations on them. And so not not that big of a deal, but a couple things is, first of all, you can only put up to $6,000 a year in these accounts. And so what that means is if you can actually afford to put $6,000 a year in this account, whether it's in a lump sum or you spread it out throughout the 12 months, if you're married, you and your spouse can both put 6000 in your own Roth IRAs. And so together you can be putting back $12,000 a year tax-free at retirement. And so that's awesome. Now, every few years, that limit typically increases because of inflation. Something else to consider though, is there is a catch-up phase. And so if you are closer to retirement, the government would actually allow you to put an extra $1,000 in that Roth IRA every single year. And so really, really take advantage of that if you are looking to supplement your retirement. Now, there are other advantages to a Roth IRA, but I don't want to take this whole podcast to talk about it. So most people, after they hear what I've shared with you, plus a little bit more, because I'm in a one-on-one, I typically share a little bit more, but they would then proceed to ask me how they can open up this Roth. And so I would just tell you if that is you and you're listening and you would like more information on that, of course, you can reach out to me on my website. You can go to faithfulwithalittle.com slash services. You can actually fill out a free financial plan request because within that you can check that you're interested in a Roth IRA. And so I would reach out to you and would love to set up um, a time to give you more information on what that would look like. Of course, you can always email me or reach out however you see fit as well. Now, problem number three, almost half, so 48% of households would feel the financial impact from a loss of the primary wage earner in just six months. Now, within that, 35% would feel the impact in a month or less. And so this is just saying, God forbid, someone in your household who brings home money loses their job 
even more so than that, not only losing their job, but if they were to pass away. Um, Obviously, there are some things in place if you lose your job, whether you get another job or unemployment for a season, all that's there. But if you pass away earlier than you would expect to, obviously, we don't know our time to go. We don't want to think about it. But what are you leaving behind for your family? Now, my solution for this is to have the proper type of life insurance. And life insurance is not just to put you in the ground. It is not just for your funeral. That's what a lot of people think. You go on a GoFundMe and all you see is GoFundMe for this or that funeral. And they're covering the funeral costs, which is which is a chunk of money. It is important. But you got to think about life after a funeral. What is that mom who just lost her husband going to do the next month when she doesn't have the money to pay the mortgage? The mortgage company does not care that your spouse just passed away. And so here's the deal. I've found three reasons why most people don't have the proper type of life insurance. And it's either one, they just don't care. Um, I don't run across that very often, but every once in a while, I will run across someone who just doesn't care what happens to their family after they die. And so that person you can't really do much with. Um, But the second reason is people just think it's too expensive. They don't realize how affordable it can be. And so that's the second category of people. The third category of people um, is just they don't know. Um, They don't know what they don't know, right? And so I love educating on this. Now, if you notice, I said the solution was the proper type of life insurance. I didn't just say life insurance because not all life insurance is created equal. And if anything, it's actually not created equal at all. Um, Now, the big companies out there, they are going to give you an option for the right and the wrong kind of insurance. And I won't go into all of it because there's so much to it. Um, But... Let me just tell you this. If you have something called whole life or cash value policy for life insurance outside of your work employer, you need to talk to me. Um, Yeah, I could go on and on and on and talk to you about why those are so bad. But to make a long story short, um, those policies, they've got a lot of hidden clauses in them. And so I love to just point that out for people um, and show them why that's not in their best interest. Now, why does the insurance company sell these if they're not good? Well, because they make more money off of them, of course. And so, yeah, the company I'm actually sponsored by, we don't even sell those because we don't believe that they are what's best for people. And so get a true term life insurance policy. Um, And I would even, of course, this is a little bit of a selfish plug, but I would love, love, love to have um, you do that with my company because within our policies, we offer things that most people do not. Actually, I say most people. I've never come across another term policy that offers some of the things that we have in our policies. And so with that, um, you know, obviously level term, um, you know, your premiums stay the same. You're never tricked into anything. You have what you have. But also really cool is like at the end of a term policy, you know, sometimes you just you realize you still need insurance. Um, The hope would be that you get to the end of that policy and you don't need insurance anymore because you've been saving in a Roth IRA and you have more in a savings account than you had in your insurance anyway. So why pay for something your whole life when you don't need it? So my goal is to get my clients self-insured so they don't ever have to have insurance again. But God forbid you get to that place where you look up and you realize your term is about to end and you still need insurance. Our company would actually allow you to keep your insurance without your premiums increasing and without rehab- having to retest for insurability. 
And so really, really cool options within our policies if you got to that point and needed it. And so the goal is get you to a place where you are self-insured, but again, God forbid you at least have those options. And so the problem is not having protection and the solution is getting a proper life insurance policy put in place for your family. Um, And the other thing I'll just note on that real quick is a lot of people have insurance through their work, which isn't necessarily bad because it's pretty cheap. But if something's cheap, you might want to ask why. The reason why work policies are so cheap is because they don't normally have to pay out. And the reason for that is because Most people don't die an instantaneous death. Um, And so if you do die in a car accident overnight um, and you are actively working with that employer when that happened, then they would pay that policy. Um, But outside of that, um, most of those policies have stipulations within them. Again, it's something I could educate you on if you ever wanted to sit down for a one-on-one. But basically, if you're not working full-time, Um, So God forbid you were to come down with some type of illness, which got you out of work for a period of time, uh, and then you were to pass away, those policies would not pay because you were not an active employee at the time of your passing. And so again, lots of stipulations, people don't realize this. And so it's why I've become so passionate about educating on it. So I always say if it's cheap, you know, have it for a backup, but do not rely on a work policy when it comes to protecting your family's income. Now, problem number four, the average U.S. household carries a credit card balance of $16,883. That is a lot of money. And so with that, what is the solution to getting our average household, U.S. households out of debt? Well, it's something called debt stacking. And so if you're a Dave Ramsey fan by chance, he would call this snowballing. It's the same exact concept of taking your lowest debt, paying it off. And then when you pay that off, you take that payment, you put it onto the next payment. Um, And so now your next payment is essentially double. So you're paying off that debt, hopefully twice as fast. And then you take those two payments and you put it onto the next. And so you can see how it snowballs or debt stacks. And so you're paying things off at a faster rate. You're saving money and interest. And of course you're saving time. And so my goal is to get all my clients debt free. So with that, I actually offer free debt planning. Um, again, for all of my clients, that's something I offer if they need it. So really, really cool. Um, you can take the concept and just do it on your own. But what's really neat is we have a computer system where I put all of my clients information into the system And it actually spits out a plan to show them exactly how to do it at what time they'll get it done. So it'll actually give them a time frame um, and it'll also show them how much money they're going to save in interest. And so really, really cool to actually see that on paper. Now, problem number five is a few things in one. And so the first point here is that 44% of Americans say stress about money is a bigger problem than either their job or personal relationships. So that's that's a pretty big amount of people um, saying finances is up there as the biggest stressor in their life. Now, financial problems attribute to one of uh, the top five reasons people get divorced. And so I don't think that's a shock for anybody knowing that finances can be the root of a split in, in relationships. But yeah, it's the it's actually the, the fifth um, out of all the top reasons why people get divorced. Um, in 2019, it was listed as number five. So definitely a reason why you should get your finances in order if they're not there already. 
Now, most people given more money only get into more debt. You see this all the time with like famous NFL players or whatever. They have all this money and then like a couple years into quote unquote retirement, they have nothing and they're filing for bankruptcy. Why? Um, It's just because they're not educated. Um, And so, you know, if you have money, whether, you, you know, no matter how much you have, you just need to know how to manage it well. And so we do that for people. Now, if you don't give back with the little that you have, chances are you probably never will give back once you have more. I hear people say all the time, oh, well, once I reach this amount of income, then I'll start tithing or I'll start giving back. But here's the thing. If you don't give with a little, you're never, you're never going to give with a lot um, unless the Lord does something really drastic in your heart and in your life. But as a Christian, I'm compelled to give my first fruits to the Lord and Y'all, that's not always easy, but God gives to us and expects us to steward it well. Now, I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty of what it means to give your first fruits because that's a topic in and of itself, but I'd encourage you to talk to your local church about this if you want more information or you want to know what it looks like to give your first fruits back to the Lord. And then finally, money can be a necessary evil, but it doesn't have to be the latter. The truth is most people who say that they don't need money they just don't have it. What's sad is that some people with money are greedy and they give a bad name to the others who have it and steward it well. And so I've just, I've found that in my life personally, um, whenever I come across people who say they don't need money, it's, it's because they don't have it, but people with money understand the impact they can make with it. And so The solution to all of that is to just get a free financial plan. Um, That is what changed Justin and my finances. And again, it's why I'm so passionate about it. Um, I'm sure if you're listening, there's been someone or something that's impacted your life and you just, you want to tell everybody about it because of how it changed from night to day, your eyes were opened. And so this free financial plan that we got put in place, man, five or six years ago, I guess five years ago now, um, is what really got us on the road that we're on to freedom. And so if you're ever interested in grabbing one of those yourself, you can go on over to my website and you can fill one of those out. It's faithfulwithalittle.com slash services, and you'll see it on that page. Now, I can't say enough that having orderly finances is worth fighting for. I've been in seasons where my finances aren't as much in order as others, and it affects my sleep, my peace of mind, and my relationships. And maybe you're thinking, Lori, that sounds like you're putting a lot of weight in what's in or not in your bank account. And I would respond to that with, yes, though Christ is always enough. And when you're trusting him, you can have unexplainable peace in your life, no matter what your circumstances or finances look like. But here's the thing. He also calls you to steward what he gives you well. And if your finances or anything in your life for that matter, are not submitted to him and stewarded well, as far as you can help it, you can expect that there will be effects from that. And so, yes, it it does sound like I'm putting a lot of weight in the fact that finances are important, but obviously that's because I believe they are. And I don't think that that means they trump the more important things in life. Um, I just know that they all work together. And so to wrap up this episode, my hope is that you've learned some helpful concepts that will help you be faithful in your finances and in turn help you achieve more of your goals and your dreams. So being faithful with a little won't be easy, but it sure will be worth it. 
Thank you for listening to the Faithful with a Little podcast. For more information, show notes, a free financial plan, wedding coordinating requests, access to my blog, and more, go to faithfulwithalittle.com. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button so you never miss a future episode. And make sure you give this podcast a five-star review so more people are able to find it and listen in.